Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, Superintendent Troy Roth will join us to reflect on his tenure as head of the Findlay City School District and the decision to move on to a new opportunity closer to home. Also this morning, as we prepare to enter the Christian season of Lent, consider the many ways in which the Lord reveals himself to mankind through the covenant names of God. And happening around town, the Christian Clearinghouse Garage Sale Fundraiser is back. We have details on the return of one of the community's most popular charitable events. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, March 1st, 2022. Today is World Compliment Day, so today is one of those days, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. World Compliment Day. Pay someone a compliment, just because. It is National Peanut Butter Lovers Day, National Pig Day, and I thought this was kind of interesting. It is National Wedding Planning Day, and it is Plan a Solo Vacation Day. So... Really, when you think about it, what are those two things saying? That's that they would be on the same day. National Wedding Planning Day, Plan A Solo Vacation Day. Anyway, here is the uh, latest story. And every, every story has a lighter side. I don't mean to make light of the situation in Ukraine. It's obviously uh, very serious. And so we would not dream of minimizing that. The significance of it, the importance of it. We stand in solidarity with the people of Ukraine, of course. But every story has a lighter side. Yesterday, you remember we were talking about the Russian soldiers who were giving away their military positions by trying to proposition Ukrainian women on the Tinder dating app (laughs) because they didn't realize that there was a location-based aspect to the app. And so as they were trying to get a little something on the side, uh, they were giving away their military positions. Um, <laughs> here is uh, another one of those stories from the lighter side of the uh, conflict. Um, just as YouTube and TikTok have taught a generation how to tie ties and uh, other you know, everyday tasks, right? When you don't know how to do something, you go to TikTok or you go to uh, YouTube and uh, watch a video on how to do whatever it is you need to learn how to do. So, too, the increasingly tense situation in Eastern Europe is leading social media to teach young Ukrainians something new, how to drive abandoned Russian military equipment. (laughs) One one I kid you not, one TikTok user uh, called... Uh, mm, I don't. I don't even know what this. Anyway, the the report gives the username of this TikTok uh, account. But anyway, this user has uploaded several now viral videos, uh, showing uh how to drive. In this case, a a Russian armored personnel carrier that's <laughs> been abandoned. If you come across a free or abandoned armored personnel carrier, here's a life hack on how to run it. Uh, This is a woman who uh, uh, captured the uh, video and uh, posted it in Ukrainian. Uh, There's an influencer showing off 
a uh, Bugatti that uh, someone uh, someone bought it. It says, um, like an influencer. Oh, okay. Like an influencer showing off a Bugatti that someone had bought for her. The video shows uh, the woman flipping switches, priming the engine, and putting the truck in gear and firing it up. And her sneaker-clad feet hitting the gas all while she cheerfully narrates. <laughs> Other videos play out like a late-night used car commercial uh, with a young woman asking, why waste your money on a van when there are plenty of spacious Russian options, some with wrapping still on the seats, that were left during the country's invasion into her country. The uh, video has been liked more than 650,000 times on TikTok uh, as of... Early Monday afternoon. <laughs> hey, have they abandoned uh, vehicles or tanks, or armored <laughs> armored uh, vehicles? Then uh, the uh, Ukrainian people will be more than happy to uh, take possession of those. And if you don't know how to drive one, just look it up on YouTube. You can learn anything on YouTube. Anyway, I just thought that was, again... Kind of the uh, lighter side of the uh, conflict there. Of course, uh, what's going on halfway around the world is impacting everyone globally. Uh, gas prices are now like a dollar a gallon more than they were this time last year and just over the past week. Now, we haven't seen it necessarily uh, here at the pump in our area just yet, but uh, gas prices are starting to go up. Uh, the national average about 10 cents a gallon higher over the course of the past week. Yesterday, oil prices were up about 4%. Uh, this morning in early trading, they're up about 3% more. So it's not going to be long before, I think, mean, oil prices are now at or very near $100 a barrel, depending on what variety of crude we're talking about. But it is only a matter of time before we start to see price spikes uh, here locally. So there's that. And now there are reports that uh, the anticipation is inflation globally, including here in the U.S., is going to be higher than maybe what it was originally projected to be now that all of this is going on. Well, if roaring inflation and sky-high gas prices uh, have you feeling like you're living through the energy crisis of the 70s all over again now you can really go all in on that 70s flashback uh the fine folks at gerard perigio have resurrected their casquette digital watch from 1976 they call it an innovative timepiece innovative for the year it was made at least Features one of those uh, little red digital electronic displays. You remember from the uh, mid to late 70s when electronic watches first came out, they were just the little teeny tiny itsy bitsy red uh, display, digital display. Flashes the time for a few seconds. And uh, then that's about it. I mean, that was like all the rage. So now they have brought this back. Uh, and this new version 2.0 does not offer a whole lot of upgrades from the model that was discontinued in 1978, except they have added an option of displaying a second time for a time zone difference and a mode that can flash an important date like an anniversary. 
And that's about it. Those are the only new things that this watch will do. So not exactly a smart watch as compared to what we have today. But it is uber retro chic, right? Retro chic. Uh, What's more, the uh, uh, blocky black design of the casket uh, looks like something a judge would mandate you wear during house arrest. I mean, this thing, I mean, again, for the era, this was designed to look futuristic. Now it just looks dumb. (laughs) But uh, the uh, watchmaker is promoting this, saying this uh, new model upholds the design language of the original but is now encased in ceramic and grade 5 titanium instead of just black plastic. And here's the deal. You can be yours, this uh, this watch, retro watch, <laughs> for $4,700. <laughs> They're selling this thing for $4,700. Uh, and it's a limited edition, only $8,500 will be made. And if you're thinking, who would pay for this? Nobody is going to pay for this. Wrong. It is already sold out online. So you can't get... Isn't that amazing? People will buy anything. It is crazy. <clears throat> I wish I still had, you know, my old digital watch from 1976. I'd put it on eBay and make a fortune. But anyway. Uh, let's see. And how about this? Something to keep in mind to get your day started. I always like to start with the most buzzworthy, most interesting stories in the news. If you are still working from home, as many people are, at least part-time, did you know that your boss could very well be spying on you? The Trades Union Congress. Now, this is a UK labor group, but I would imagine this holds true globally. For people who are working at home, they say 60%, 60% of workers reported being subject to some sort of some sort of technological surveillance and monitoring at their current or most recent job. That is 7% higher than 2021 workplace surveillance tech reportedly took off during the pandemic as employer uh, employers shifted to more remote forms of work because the boss wanted to keep an eye on you. And uh, it can include monitoring of emails and uh, files on your work computer at home. They can take control of your webcam on your work computer to make sure that you are actually sitting at your computer doing what you're supposed to be doing. Tracking of when and how much a worker is typing, tracking calls and movements made by workers. The uh, Trades Union Congress in the UK is calling for in that country, an employment bill which would include the right to disconnect, as well as a digital, as well as digital rights to improve transparency around the use of surveillance technology by employers. The government responded to the report saying it was wholeheartedly committed to improving and upholding workers' rights, but no word on whether they will do so legislatively. But again, I know this was in the UK, but uh, I would imagine in this country. A lot of that is going on as well. So uh, something to keep in mind. Your boss may still be watching you, even though you're not sitting in that cubicle. And what do you think about that? Do you think that's, I mean, is that, uh, is that kosher? Is that uh, fair game for the boss or is that going over the top? I guess uh, that's one of the great debates 
of the new normal in the workplace moving forward, I guess. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Partly to mostly cloudy skies today with a high of 51. Mostly cloudy tonight, low of 31. Finley City Schools says masks are now optional on school buses. The school district said bus drivers, students, and bus aides who want to continue wearing a face covering are encouraged to do so. Finley City Schools says the change is in reaction to guidance from the CDC, which recently said masks are no longer required on buses. You can read the full updated masking statement from the CDC on the website. COVID cases continue to decline in Hancock County. The latest numbers from the health department showing that the county was down to averaging four new cases a day. Registration is underway for Camp 911, an educational safety camp for kids entering kindergarten in Hancock County. The camp is designed to teach children safety lessons from our local first responders, including Finley Police, Finley Fire, Sheriff's Office, ANCO, and the Health Department. Our topics include fire safety, stranger danger, bus safety, and drug safety. That's Inspector Eric Wilkins with the Finley Fire Department. The camp will be held in June. We have a link where you can sign up on the website. A new lawsuit seeks to block enforcement of a new Ohio abortion law that advocates worry will force two clinics to close. The action filed Friday asks the Hamilton County Common Pleas Court to prevent the Ohio Department of Health from enforcing the law, which goes into effect March 23rd. The bill's stated goal was to impose criminal penalties on doctors who fail to give medical care when a baby is born alive following an abortion attempt. However, provisions were added that abortion rights groups argue could lead to two clinics in southwest Ohio being closed. Daniel Barnett, ONN News. Hundreds of people gathered at the Ohio State House in Columbus to rally in support of Ukraine in their battle against the invading Russian military. Many of those at the demonstrations were born in Ukraine and are worried for family members still living there after reports of many civilian deaths. Governor DeWine says Ukraine's flag will fly at the Ohio State House and governor's residence to show support for those under attack in Ukraine and support for Ohio's Ukrainian population. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Now to our cover story this morning. By now you have no doubt heard the news that Findlay City School Superintendent Troy Roth will be leaving the district uh, this summer to take a similar position, the Bellevue City Schools. Troy Roth is uh, with us uh, on the line this morning and... uh, First of all, congratulations on the new gig. I know it's always exciting to uh, take on a a new challenge. And uh, once again, and I know you've uh, talked about this uh, in uh, other uh, reporting on uh, this decision. It has nothing to do with any sort of dissatisfaction or conflict within the Findlay City School District, right? Correct. Good morning, Chris. Yeah, absolutely not. I am very happy with uh, my seven years here at Findlay City Schools. This was... uh the Bellevue opportunity was something that uh, my wife and I discussed, and it's an opportunity for us to get back closer to family and to the area where, where we grew up, and uh, we thought it was uh, was worth taking a look at. And the way things played out, uh, I will be offered the, or will be hired uh, tomorrow night at the Bellevue board meeting. 
So uh, certainly no one can fault uh, you wanting to get get back uh, closer to home uh, with respect to that. But uh, I was I was thinking, you know, you came uh, on the job here uh, just as the pandemic sort of hit its height and you are leaving just as these things are starting to get back to normal. So this, uh, you know, when you reflect back on the on the time you spent as as uh, superintendent of schools, uh, that really kind of dominates your tenure, right? Oh, absolutely. It was uh, what we spent the majority of our day mm-hmm. uh, for almost two years uh, dealing with COVID issues, questions, and, you know, determining what learning model we were going to be able to maintain, you know, dealing with the lack of substitute teachers and just everything COVID-related. So, you know, hopefully, as you said, uh, we are coming out of that, uh, coming out of the pandemic, and, you know, hopefully the my replacement can hit the ground running and, and deal with uh, more school-related things. Yeah, and and certainly that is uh, not unique to this district. I think uh, this has been maybe the most challenging time to be uh, in your position uh, for just about every superintendent in every district, not only in Ohio, but nationwide. When you look back at uh, all of what has happened over the past couple of years, what are you most proud of uh, when you reflect at on all of those challenges that have been faced? Yeah, I, I think, and, and that's pretty easy. I'm, I'm most proud of our staff and our students. Uh, no matter what was thrown at them, you know, it could be one day we were remote, next day we were uh, coming back hybrid, or, you know, just the, the different learning models that we've experienced over the last three years. You know, I think our students and our staff excelled uh, and, and were very flexible and were able to adapt to whatever was asked of them. So, you know, very proud of the staff and the students for, for all they have been through and for their ability to continue the education process over the last year and a half. There is that uh, old saying that necessity is the mother of invention. And with respect to that, uh, there is kind of a, a lasting impact in that respect because there had been talk about uh, you know, figuring out how to do remote learning for uh, situations where you have an extended uh, period of, of closure for snow or, or some other, um, you know, issue. And there have been talk about, you know, how do we keep students learning, uh, you know, when they're off for several days because of weather concerns or what have you. This kind of um, gave you the opportunity to to hone that, uh, that skill or, or, you know, put remote learning, uh, learn how to do that, that'll serve the district well moving forward. Yeah, I, I agree. We're kind of, you know, forced into uh, some things and, and learning how to deliver an online option was one of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it also gave us the opportunity to, to reflect on some of the practices uh, that have been going on in education for years and, you know, how can we better those practices, you know, uh, do we have to have that meeting live? Do we have to bring everyone to this building? Do we have to bring everyone together when we have the capability of uh, doing things remotely? So uh, it's something we were everyone was forced into, but I think in the long run it will provide everyone with some flexibility. You know, and one thing it also did was allow us to start our Trojan Academy, which uh, allows our students that uh, prefer an online option to mm-hmm. to have that option. So, uh, you know, our belief is that majority of students are going to learn best in person five days a week. And, uh, you know, we continue that model, and we've been fortunate all year. We've been able to stay in in-person learning for five days. Uh, but like I said, there are, are some students and parents who do prefer the, the online option. So we've been able to provide that option as well. So, you know, again, as we uh, come out of this pandemic and things, things start to get back to normal, as we said, there will be 
uh, lessons learned. It's not something that you're just going to put this in the past, close the book, and forget about it. Uh, there will be uh, some good things that will ultimately come out of this. Aside from the pandemic, um, I, I guess the other uh, big uh, event or the the, the big thing uh, during your time as uh, superintendent is a very difficult decision to uh, close a couple of buildings, to streamline operations. And again, that will have a lasting impact on the district moving forward. It will. And I, I think we've, we're showing that we've had great success in, in those decisions. Uh, very difficult to, to close the Lincoln building and to also repurpose our, our Jacobs primary building into our preschool. But uh you know, I think uh, after some early bumps and hurdles we had to get over, we're having great success with uh, those decisions. Uh, our preschool is thriving. Uh, the Jacobs Building is, is a great building uh, for, to house our preschool. And also, we've been able to relocate our, our board offices now in the Washington Building. So, uh, you know, those are very difficult decisions, but I think they were necessary, and uh, they're proving to be uh, they were wise decisions, and we're moving forward. So uh, putting all of uh, that aside, all of the, uh, you know, reflecting on, on the uh, past couple of years uh, during your time as superintendent, now you look forward to closing out your time as uh, head of the district, kind of uh, preparing to hand the reins off to whoever will have that role next. Talk about what you will be doing over the next several months to make that transition as smooth as possible. Yeah, I think basically it's just going to be tying up some loose ends, you know, make sure that uh, whoever the new person is that takes over, uh, all the major uh, items are taken care of that they can focus on, you know, learning the district and and, and moving forward. But, uh, you know, that will be a decision uh, made by the Board of Education here in the coming weeks of, uh, you know, how they're going to handle my replacement. But, you know, I will have things in order. Uh, I will meet with that person on a number of occasions this summer just to make sure they're comfortable moving forward. And and what do you see as uh, the the biggest opportunities and challenges uh, ahead for that new person, whoever he or she may be? Uh, you know, where what do you see as the outlook for the uh, district moving forward? Well, I, I think we've kind of laid the plans uh, moving forward in our five year strategic plan that's in its second year. I think uh, you know we we've developed a roadmap for where we want to be in five years. I think uh, the new superintendent is going to have to you know fine tune that strategic plan, uh, make sure that, you know, they're in tune with it and uh, supporting it and, and moving the district forward in our five-year strategic plan that we put in place uh, in my first year. I think that is a roadmap for that for the next several years on where Finley City Schools wants to be. So I think we'll focus on, on that uh, with my replacement and, you know, any other, uh, any other areas where they're going to need to be updated on, you know, like I said, I'll, I'll sit down with them and have plenty of opportunity to Make sure they're familiar with the district and, and how they can proceed moving forward. So you feel confident that you'll be handing off the reins with the district in a good position moving forward? 100%. I think we have put people in administrative positions and teaching positions in classified areas that uh, have proven successful. I'm very proud of the team we've assembled here in the last year and a half, and I think moving forward, uh, we're in a strong position. Again, uh, Superintendent Troy Roth reflecting on his tenure, the uh, Finley City School District, and the decision to uh, move on uh, to a similar uh, opportunity, new uh, opportunities, new challenges of the Bellevue City Schools. We certainly wish you the best of luck. Superintendent Troy Roth, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Well, here's a simple question to throw out at you this morning. How does God reveal himself to humanity? 
Simple, right? Just a simple question. Uh, Richard Soans holds a master's degree in divinity from Southwestern Seminary and served as an army chaplain for 28 years. He has written a new book called The Covenant Names of God. And uh, Richard, now this strikes me as a subject matter that is discussed in advanced seminary classes. How do you break it down and make it understandable and accessible to the average lay person? Well, it's, uh, the book is both. I, I get pretty technical in the Hebrew and uh, Greek languages, and so for, for folks who are deeper, they can follow that. But then I break it down into everyday, familiar mm-hmm. uh, concepts that, that anybody, for example, uh, the old song, uh, I'll be there, I'll be there, I'll be there, just call my name. Mm-hmm. Very popular song. Um, one of the covenant names of God means I'll be there. So what does the the covenant names of God refer to, and why is it significant? Uh, God is known by m- many names, and uh, there are many names that are based on the two names of God, uh, the impersonal El. And so you have El Shaddai, the God of cataclysmic power, mm-hmm. El Elyon, God Most High. And, and the other group of names are based on the covenant names of God. Those are the names based on Jehovah. And so uh, the reason they are called covenant names is because that's the name when Moses was standing in front of the burning bush, and he said, hey, God, if I go back to Egypt, they're going to ask me, what's your name? Because surely if I talk to you, I would know your name. And so that name that God told uh, Moses at that time, Jehovah, is the the names that are based on that that covenant names why are they important well a couple of reasons first of all presently our nation is extremely polarized and folks have gotten into camps where it's us against them and and the focus is on the camps not really what's going on and uh, these names give perspective God is still in control. And so, uh, you know, these names reveal, hey, God is there whether there's fear and polarization or not. That actually uh, speaks to one of the other questions I wanted to wanted to ask. So uh, I'll, I'll jump in with this. Um, does this go beyond the traditional uh, Judeo-Christian uh, faiths that most of us are familiar with? Because as we know... Uh, there are myriad of uh, faiths that are uh, practiced uh, around the world, and so many of them all worship the same God by different names and different practices. So does this kind of get into into that a little bit? It, it sounds as though uh, it, it does. It does in essence, but I don't, you know, I don't say, okay, this is the Christian view, or mm-hmm. the Jewish view, mm-hmm. it is more focused on who God is. There's only one God. And so this looks at the character of God. You know, God is misunderstood for, for good reasons. I mean, you know, we aren't God, and we aren't on his level. I'll give you an example. Say a, an elementary school child is trying to understand uh, you know, went with his parents to a Ph.D. lecture. Uh, you know, C.S. Lewis gave the example of trying to explain what heaven is like to a six-year-old. Yeah. Well, you can't really, 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, the paramedics say, well, it's like all the chocolate you can eat. Yeah. Well, it's nothing like that at all. But to the six-year-old, it, it gives an idea. Mm-hmm. So God reveals himself, but, but he has to reveal himself on our level. Yeah. Well, and, and that was, again, one of the questions I wanted to ask is how, what does, what does all of this, what do the covenant names of God have to do with that question of the way in which God reveals himself to us? Well, each covenant name reveals part of his character. For example, uh, one of the names means the Lord our shepherd. It's taken from the 23rd Psalm. Well, uh, you know, a shepherd has responsibilities to the sheep. And so in my book, I, I go in depth in what a shepherd is and what a sheep is. You know, uh, what a... What are the problems with sheep? What do shepherds have to deal with? Mm-hmm. And that, you know, when the Lord says, I am your shepherd, he's using an analogy. And so for each of these covenant names, I look at that. Mm-hmm. Well, what does that mean? What does it stand for? What does it represent? Yeah. And so for each of these names, you know, each of these names is kind of like an analogy, but it reveals what God is trying to say is his character, his, and of course, a covenant is a promise. And so when the, when the name is a part of his covenant, it's like uh, he is binding himself to us to do what he said he would do. You mentioned earlier uh, about uh, overcoming the divisiveness and the divisions that we have uh, in our society today. And in many cases, uh, you can trace those divisions back to uh, differences of religion in, in, in many instances. And it sounds like uh, based on what you were, you were saying earlier, it sounds like this is a book that um, transcends traditional, religions uh, to focus on what every religion has in common and what at the end of the day we're all talking about and and praying about and the person we're praying to. Absolutely. And and so folks focus on the perspective of the group instead of saying, well, what do we want? And both sides saying, well, come together and say, well, this is really what we want. This is our goal. And then working together toward that goal, mm-hmm. uh, this book gives that perspective, and it gives and it gives the hope. Again, uh, Richard Soans is author of the book "The Covenant Names of God." Just a little light reading uh, here, but uh, really uh, fascinating stuff all the all the way around. Do you have a, a website where folks can learn more about the book, or how do we lay our hands on it? It's available on Amazon. The Covenant Names of God. Richard, thanks very much for taking some time for us this morning. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. I begin in Henry County, Virginia, where a man is uh, behind bars thanks to police and a crime-fighting goat. <laughs> Not every day you have a story of a crime-fighting goat in the news. But indeed, that's what happened. Henry County Deputy David Parnell, uh, along with Captain Scott Baker, the Henry County Sheriff's Office, were investing a, investigating a 
domestic disturbance when <laughs> when uh, deputy uh, at the point where deputy parnell explained to the suspect that he was under arrest the suspect took off on foot uh captain barker said uh, deputy parnell chased the fleeing person through a fence line and across a field while chasing the fleeing suspect a goat from the property joined deputy parnell in the chase <laughs> this is according to the official police report a goat joined deputy parnell in the chase when deputy parnell and the goat reached the next fence line of the field the goat continued through the fence <laughs> in front of deputy parnell and entered a wooded area after the goat took over the lead in the chase parnell halted to survey the situation and watched incredulously as the goat chased the man into the woods. The goat and the deputy on the other side flushed the man out of the woods, and Deputy Parnell took him into custody. <laughs> the goat then was returned to its owner by Deputy Parnell once the incident was resolved. <laughs> now we have to deputize the goat. I like that. How about that? <laughs> Crime-fighting goat chasing down the suspect. <laughs> that is all kinds of awesome. Uh, this story, just a little weird out of Texas. A serial butt slapper has been caught. David Torres of Houston, accused of sneaking up behind several women in public places and either patting their rear end or trying to touch their buttocks before sprinting away. The Harris County Constable says this is no laughing matter. He has been cited for assault. One of the attacks was caught on security camera. A uh, post uh, on the uh, Nextdoor website was flooded with similar complaints from residents of the Houston Heights neighborhood. So we're investigating a number of serious, uh, uh, serial incidents. Uh, let's see. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news. Have you ever seen a green dog? Cop couple from uh, Nova Scotia, Canada says their bulldog recently gave birth to eight puppies, and the last one to be born had green fur. The rare discoloration has been documented before, believe it or not, and is believed to be caused by light-colored puppies coming into contact with green pigments from bile while in the womb. The family notes in a Facebook post that the puppy's green coloring has already started to fade, in the days since the birth, and experts say it will continue to do so in the coming weeks until it is completely gone. But hopefully not before St. Patrick's Day. You would think that if, if, if the puppies would have been born a couple of weeks later, they had a great St. Patrick's Day story there, but missed it by that much. Uh, one other animal story in the uh, broken news this morning. You never know what your doorbell camera might capture. If you have one of those smart doorbells we have one at our home uh it has the uh, camera you can see uh who's at uh, who's at your door uh well a homeowner in warner robbins georgia says her ring doorbell camera woke her up in the middle of the night recently alerting to her to activity in front of her home so obviously she was suspicious we want to make sure that nobody's trying to break in or anything she checked out the uh, video camera and her doorbell and found that it wasn't a potential burglar or anything like that. She actually had a herd of cows standing on her front lawn and mooing loudly. 
She says the cows destroyed her landscaping and ate her bushes. One even tried to nibble on the camera, but it held strong. Other than that, she said, no real damage. And everyone is fine. <laughs> you get an alert. There's a herd of cows on your front lawn. A little unusual. And uh, finally, in the broken news this morning, boy, to be this guy, some people hit the lottery and some people find a pearl in a clam at a restaurant. Michael and Maria Spressler said that they were having dinner at the Lobster House in Cape May, New Jersey recently when uh, Michael ate the last of his dozen clams on the half shell and felt something hard in his mouth. (laughs) He pulls out a uh, 0.35 inch pearl. There's a pretty good size pearl uh, from inside the clam. The couple says they have been eating at the restaurant for more than three decades and they never heard of anyone finding a pearl in their clams until now. The Spresslers say their research indicated the pearl could be worth thousands of dollars, but they have decided to keep it for themselves. I think I would be selling it, but. I guess to each his own. That is amazing. Um, I, why can't I have that kind of luck? That's what I want to know. Why, is, why does this always happen to other people? I mean, there you go. Uh, some of the uh, odd and unusual side of the news. Today's uh, broken news report brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. WFIN says thank you for listening. And remember, you can listen around the clock on computer, smartphone, or tablet. Start your day with Chris Oaks and good mornings. And stay with us all day long. You also get CBS Sports Radio plus all of our locally originated sports programming. Listen live whenever you like at 1330 WFIN, 95.5 FM, and at WFIN.com. Where you can also grab our free mobile apps for iOS or Android. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. This is probably a side effect of the pandemic that no one expected. More than half of Americans in a new survey say that they have become more sensitive to noise since the start of the pandemic. More than 2,000 people were polled about their hearing health ahead of World Hearing Day, which is Thursday of this week, by the way. Uh, results show that more than four in 10 have become more sensitive to loud music. 43% said they're more sensitive to loud music since the uh, start of the pandemic. Um, loud conversations, 42% uh, say uh, actually, I guess, bother them or, or they notice it. They're more sensitive to uh, loud conversations. These distractions can also be painful. More than half, 52%, say loud noises give them headaches. The average respondent experiencing six a week. The uh, poll was conducted, uh, the survey was conducted by one poll on behalf of loop earplugs. Uh, it shows that, uh, also shows the survey that although 30% enjoy listening to music while they work, 54% say they are often incompatible with the sound preferences of others around them, whether it's household members or coworkers or something like that, which I thought was kind of interesting. And 31% of respondents in the poll would love to turn the volume down when someone in their household is listening to something that is distracting them. 
I don't know. Have it has has that happened to you? Have you noticed that you have become more sensitive to sounds, uh, sensitive noise since the start of the pandemic? I guess it's probably not altogether surprising, given the fact that we spent so much time in isolation uh, and and away from the everyday noises that we probably didn't even notice before. And now that they are back, we we notice them more. And, you know, we, it's one of those things that just kind of blends in the background when it's your everyday normal. But then when normal is upended and then, you know, we get back to it and we just are, are more sensitive to it. So anyway, I suppose it's uh, not necessarily all that surprising, but not what we expected either well here is some good news the christian clearinghouse garage sale fundraiser is back it has long been one of the community's most popular charitable events and tammy stall from uh, christian clearinghouse is with us uh, with more details uh, about the event so uh, what a couple of years ago it was just canceled uh, altogether and then you did something a little bit different last year with it right Right. So um, because of COVID, we had had the garage sale all set up and then we (laughs) came through all the mandates and uh, we had to tear the garage sale down, which was kind of a nightmare. Oh, man. So we put things back into storage. And then last year, um, farthing um, auctioneers auctioned the items off for us, Mm -hmm. but didn't bring in nearly the proceeds right. that it's we get. It's just not the same. It's not the yeah. same. Not the same. So I mean, we kudos are excited. to everybody who made that happen. Uh, Absolutely. And, and not to, you know, uh, dismiss that. I mean, it was uh, great yeah. to do what you could, but to have it back in person has got to be just yeah. tremendous. Yep. So we are collecting. We're, we're right now, we're collecting nine to four, pretty much um, until the 16th um, out there at Brinkman's, okay. which is 1800 East Sandusky Street. And we do thank the Brinkman's family and Mark over at Brinkman's for allowing us to continue to do this. It's, yeah. it's amazing, um, the support that they provide also. Um, but yeah, so we're collecting right now and we're starting to fill up. So we will not have things that have been stored for two years. It's all going to be new stuff. <laughs> all new stuff. And uh, what are you looking for? Uh, what can people donate, drop off to be sold? Yeah. Probably easier to say is what we don't take. (laughs) So we don't take clothes and we are not accepting like the tube TVs, those big old tube TVs. Yeah. Um, But we like everything to be clean and in good repair. Mm -hmm. Um, Things that, you know, that have been in your basement for 30 years, that couch has got a tear in it. We don't want that, you know, so bring out good things, Mm -hmm. things that will sell people that people will want. Um, And we are just seeing all kind of of good things come in. And you know, the other thing is you think maybe it's junk, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's something that somebody else wants. Anybody who's ever been to a garage sale knows that you just never know exactly what's going to sell and Absolutely. You know, what somebody will uh, go crazy over. So that's right. You know, so just about anything that's in good call, repair. You can even call and ask us if we'll take something. Mm-hmm. So the office number is 419-422-2222. And I'll probably have you send me over a picture if you've got something and I'll decide whether it's something i think that would sell or not yeah so uh yeah you obviously it's got to be something that you think will will sell and you have room for and can display and you know all of that so uh, there are some uh, considerations there but uh then the sale itself 
uh, is oh one other thing on uh, donations you you need people to drop them off you don't collect them or do you have that right. option we prefer or? that you bring them over okay. especially you know with covid and we're really limited on volunteers right now yeah so we are really kind of okay. not in the past we've had a lot of people that would come out but you know our gentlemen that have picked up over the years they're you know, two or three or four or five years older. And <laughs> right. and it's just right. really difficult. So if you can at all bring it to us, we would okay. really appreciate that. That would just make everything easier. Sure. So that's, and the uh, collection goes through when? The 16th. Okay. Nine to four at Brinkman's. Um, no Sundays. And then on the 11th, Mark from Brinkman's is grilling in the morning. So we can't get into the greenhouse to take donations to one. Okay. So that would be, it'll just be the afternoon. But other than that, we're out there. Okay. And if those times don't work for you, give us a call. We can arrange something. You know, so if you're working till five every day and just need to drop things off, but you can't, just give us a call. We can get somebody over yeah. there to meet you. Yeah. That you can arrange for. We can arrange um, for. And then the sale itself is when? It's going to be March 26th, which is a Saturday, and then Sunday the 27th, and that's our bag day. So you, you'll you pay um, $8 for a bag, and you can fill up that bag with as much stuff as you want that's left. Mm-hmm. Um and we also have our Velvet Chandelier event, which that's a ticket only event. So we sell 100 tickets to let people shop early. And that will be Thursday, the 24th from 6 to 8 p.m. Okay. You can get those tickets at our office. You can do it online or you can um, come out to the greenhouse. We've got them out to the greenhouse. So that is the ticket, quite literally, for the best selection. The best selection. Okay. That's so. right. Because no one else has went through this stuff yet. Yeah. So... Uh, but we just know that all the dollars go stay here locally in the mm-hmm. community. Um, we use the dollars and the proceeds to help those with financial needs here in Hancock County. So perhaps someone doesn't have enough food to feed their family, or or they need help with a utility, or they're being a vic- or they're passed on their rent. They need medication. Um, just a multitude of things. People need car repairs because. Um, and they can't get back and forth to work, which just is a downward spiral for right. people. Exactly. And, um, you know, the food, our food dollars have skyrocketed, the dollars going out the door. Um, you know, since 2020, they're saying that food prices has risen 26%. Um, and we all know what's impacting us at the store. So if you're living on a fixed income mm-hmm. and um, it's just really expensive. So we need to be there to help our community. You bring up such a good point because uh, who among us has not been impacted by uh, inflation? We were talking about it uh, just a little bit ago. You know, how much more everything costs these days. It's affected everyone. So imagine if you were kind of on the edge to begin with, with not a whole lot of wiggle room in your budget, you are now making some very, very difficult decisions and sometimes decisions that can't really be made without some serious impact. Right. And it's, you know, the job I do or we do at the Christian Clarenhoff House office, it's really hard when people are trying to decide whether they should pay their electric bill or feed their family Mm -hmm. or get that needed heart medication you know, that's where we fall in. That becomes the emergency. And that's when we really want to be able to, you know, help those that have needs in the community. Everybody needs to have their basic needs met. Yeah. And especially those who fall in between the cracks. There are there are many programs to help uh, individuals in specific situations. But there are always those who fall just outside those 
Right. Maybe qualifications, I yeah. guess, for lack of a better the, term. Usually income guidelines is what that is. Yeah. And, you know, if you're on a governmental program and you're one penny over income, one yeah. penny, yeah. you can't get that assistance. Mm-hmm. And um, so if you're already falling behind and you, you get the door closed, mm-hmm. it's just really difficult for some people. Or as you say, you have that unexpected expense, a car breaks down or, or what have you, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, yeah. it, like you said, it can be a, a major spiral. And... I know we've talked about it in the in the past. You have seen, uh, well, you always see a huge demand for services. I would imagine, especially given what we have seen with prices and and so on over the course of the past several months, that you've seen absolutely, the absolutely. You know, and um, it, it's just been very, very difficult. Like I said, right now our food dollars are just more than double what we've ever seen in the and past. And it costs you more to help. It costs it us costs, more to Yeah. And then, you know, I don't know if anybody's electric has sky risen like mine and everybody, <laughs> right. you know, it's exactly. like, so it's like that goes up. And and mm-hmm. a lot of the programs are limited on the dollars that they can give. And we are also, we, we have a certain dollar range that we can mm-hmm. help with. So sometimes it takes getting people referred and utilizing many programs within the community to be able to help. Which is another thing that you do is work Absolutely. hand in hand with other programs that can uh, help where you are maybe limited in your availability. Absolutely, absolutely. So again, uh, the just talking about the importance of the garage sale fundraiser to help those in need in the community and uh, find some treasures for yourself as well. Again, uh, really quickly recap the dates. You're collecting items now for the uh, fundraiser. Right, now through the 16th, mm-hmm. and then we'll continue to set up. And then the 24th, we will have our Velvet Chandelier event. And tickets are still available, but they are going quickly. And then um, on the 26th and 27th is the actual garage sale out at Brinkman's Greenhouse on Sandusky. And if you come out to the sale, park over at um, the the school next door, the Blanchard Valley School. Okay. They're always gracious. Please don't park in the Brinkman's yard. It just messes everything yeah. up. And um, so just, just be, um, we'll help you get things to your car. We'll let you bring things back around or we'll hold them for you. So please um, just be um, gracious when you come out and we just really appreciate the community support with both donations and coming back to shopping and great to have the christian clearinghouse garage sale fundraiser back in person this year at brinkman's again (laughs) (laughs) tammy Stoll, the christian clearinghouse with us uh, this morning more details at our webpage by the way at goodmornings.net tammy thanks very much thank you very much and that will finish up our podcast for today thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning and remember you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage that is goodmornings.net Coming up later today, developers of the proposed Border Basin Solar Farm in Hancock County make their case to the Hancock County Commissioners tomorrow on the program. They will join us to discuss the ongoing pushback against the project. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.